0: This is Winning Slowly, taking the long view on technology, religion, ethics, and art. Because doing good work takes time. I'm Chris Kreitcho, and I'm so tired right now. <laughs> did, you, did you just almost mess up your own name? I, I may have, but it, you know, it's okay. This is the last episode of the season for a reason. Right. There's a reason we do seasons. That's and right. that voice you hear in the background is always my patient and thoughtful co-host, That's right. I'm Stephen Caradini,
1: and this is season four, episode 13. Lies. This is season... (laughs) 14.
0: And we're just going to leave that in for you, listeners, because that's the kind of week we both had.
1: Yep. Mm. Yep. Mm. But today, we're going to wrap up the season talking about the Panama Papers and what it means to live in a globalized society. Basically, the Panama Papers, which if you haven't heard about them, you should probably open your internet browser... (laughs) Is a gigantic, monolithic, megalithic sort of leak. Leak-ish? It's not really a leak. No, it was
0: actually incredibly well done journalism and props to all the people involved with it. It was a quiet, well organized journalistic expose coordinated with a massive leak to those journalists of an incredible amount of data having to do with how people offshore their money which is something we touched on and talked about about how that's not what ghost is doing back in 4.08 but the reason that it's a topic in general is very much highlighted by the steady thoughtful release of these papers which show that lots of people are doing it
1: what up david cameron good luck with all that so there's been a whole lot of talk about what this means for society, what this means for America, what this means for international trade, what this means for various other ways that we think about business. Because some people want to say, well, yeah, I mean, of course I have offshore corporations. Everyone does. That's just how you do it. And other people are like, well, no, that's actually a horrible thing. That's actually not
0: how I do it.
1: (laughs) And, And other people say, well, yeah, I have money over there, but, like, that's, I, I mean, is it's not good or bad. Like, I report it, and it's just, now, whether or not the reporting, like, happens is subject to a lot more discussion. But some people just said, yeah, I do this, and I report it, and it's fine. Yeah.
0: Not all offshore accounts are unethical. Right. Many offshore accounts are unethical. Many are, it, yes. It's it's complicated and getting there are reasons why people do it like getting taxed twice on the same income is terrible. No business wants right. that. But well, on the other hand, there are reasons why people do it that are like, I just don't want to pay any taxes at all. Any taxes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't want anyone to know that this money exists. I would prefer to launder it through various <laughs> global smuggling operations. Whoa, Whee. whoa, whoa. So there's a lot going on in the Panama Papers because uh, it's, again, a giant dump of data. It's just enormous. I think it's like two gigs of documents, yeah, which is some just unfathomable in terms, like you know how big a Word file is. Like, that's just <laughs> incredible. But what we're interested in, not only to say, like, good job,
0: journalists, you did a thing that was kind of amazing. They they kept it secret for over a year while they did the prep work on it because it wasn't that's, a dump like a WikiLeaks thing. It's quite extraordinary. Yeah. Hundreds of journalists. Yeah. Good job, journalists. Yeah. Also, writing about it is,
1: in the first place, is impressive and amazing and incredible. Mm -hmm. But yes, the the secrecy and the the ability to hold that much information under
0: your hat with that many people is wild. We won't offer any comments on the the organizations that didn't get invited. (laughs) Yeah, we're just going (laughs) to... We'll just just move on. (laughs) Just going to leave that one there. One of the things that's interesting about this... One of the things Stephen brought up in our our preparation for the episode is this question that we've talked about off and on all season, and in fact, that we've hinted at in previous seasons, is the world flat? And well, for a lot of these, these people who've been putting their money offshore, you could make a good argument that, yeah, the world is very flat. They can put their money in any country and do what they want with it and escape the tax obligations of their own countries with it and so on. But does that actually apply to everybody? I mean, I wouldn't have the—well, besides not having the desire to do it, I wouldn't have the faintest idea where to start in hiding my money in offshore accounts. (laughs) Well, I think you probably call
1: a bank in another country to start with. (laughs) I mean, I I think there are some—probably some ways that if you say, I have a million dollars, like, they start to say, well, let us talk. But I think even more so than, like, you wouldn't know where to start is that— You don't even have a conception, and I don't even have a conception, of why or what you would want to do with an offshore account. Like, it doesn't even enter the frame of reference. It's like some people don't commit crimes because it doesn't even come into their mind that, like, committing a crime is a valid thing. That could be be the solution to the situation, you know?
0: Right. It's solving a problem we don't have. I don't have millions of dollars to you just hide in offshore accounts and if someone wants to give me millions of dollars i promise i won't hide them in offshore accounts (laughs) right right but it's just not a problem we have yeah there's no it doesn't solve something for us
1: right and even outside that if we had millions of dollars as you just mentioned it's kind of outside our frame of reference to be like okay so i should probably put this in uh, offshore accounts because of course we should Like it's just outside of the frame of reference that we have for how money works. And I think that's part of the problem with the difference between people who have this sort of world, this flat mentality, and the people who are on the outside looking into some of these things that aren't as flat for them. So one of the articles that I read pointed out that it seems that if you're any person in any country and have a lot of money, you could get a a bank account in whatever country you want. But it also showed that some of these banks that are really difficult for people to put money in who actually live in these countries, you can be a a multinational and put money in them fairly easily. But the people who are living in that country have a very high level of scrutiny that is given to them that isn't given to these people who have lots of money because banks want to make money and they'll overlook <laughs> it seems it seems this is what the Panama papers are saying is that they will overlook the risk of this money might be illegal for making a lot of interest off right. of it
0: and that's sort of your typical cost-benefit analysis. It it makes sense right. that you're a lot more interested when you're talking about billions of dollars than when you're talking right. about my measly little certificate of deposit that I have earning some fractional right. amount of interest. And I'm really grateful for that interest, but it's just not interesting right. to a bank. It The kinds yeah. of stuff that Stephen or I would be saving are interesting to banks really only in aggregate. And yeah. when you have billions of dollars as an individual, you're interesting all by yourself at that point to a bank. And that leads to that sort of rule bending for an individual, Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. large companies, etc., Would you say that's a structure agency problem, I would say that it might indeed be, and it's an interesting variation on the structure and agency issues in that having a billion dollars as an individual allows you to do things that you can't do, even as a group of people who might be able to put together a billion dollars if you all tried because of all the things that go with that. This is a theme that is coming right. for you listeners slowly and yes. in spurts in the distant future. <laughs> yes. This fall it's coming for you slowly and in spurts. We're going to talking
1: slowly and in spurts. But in addition to thinking about the the difficulties of on the ground versus not on the ground there are As we've talked about throughout the whole season, there are inequities everywhere. So saying the world is flat and hoping the world is flat are two very different things. Projecting that the world may someday be flat is a third thing altogether. And we at Winning Slowly over the course of this whole season have pointed out that in many ways the world is not flat. But – in some ways the world is better off
0: not being flat as we talked about last right. episode. Absolutely. Things are things are not all the same in all places and yes you can interact with people all over the world in shockingly delightful and shockingly horrible new ways. But indeed there, there's still regionalism and as we talked about in our ridiculously titled episode 4.07 <laughs> something about a super metropolis that I kicks kickstarting a, a hyper, hyper yeah local super mega wow it like we really can't remember the name right now guys <laughs> it is kick-starting a hyper local super there we norm, go actually there we go yes but that kind of locality and regionalism which as we've also noted all season doesn't have to be Coupled with parochialism doesn't have to be coupled Mm -hmm. with nativism. We can say Mm -hmm. America is great and America has some really serious problems that we should work on. And people in India can say India is great and India has some really serious problems that we can work on. And as -hmm. we talked about Mm -hmm. in our the internet in the eu episode at nc state a few weeks ago we can say hey on internet policy there are some things that south korea and great britain are both doing way better than the united states and by token they can probably look at some of the things we've got going technologically and policy-wise and say hey let's adopt some of those we can be humble and uh happy to learn from each other all over the world Mm -hmm. and we don't have Mm -hmm. to blur out the differences to appreciate the increase in accessibility and that's an important distinction sometimes globalization and again we've talked about this all season but we're in summing things up mode because it's the last episode of this season globalization doesn't necessarily mean and we think shouldn't mean blurring out all regional distinctions. It shouldn't mean an end to distinctive cultures. It should mean a more free sharing and sometimes, yes, remixing and always learning from and appreciating the good things and also learning from and being chastened by the failures of other cultures as Mm -hmm. well as our own.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so not only are we saying that cultural imperialism is not optimal, we're also saying that we're not hoping for a a monoculture throughout the whole world. Like the, what we're really looking for is the ability of the internet to not only connect people, but to connect people internationally and hyper locally, so that you can build local cultures as well as participate in the the massive right. ones that you now have access to. And so we're really interested in how the internet and how technology can amplify both of those cultures to say, hey, you can learn about this very specific type of music that we have in this very specific part of India, and you can be an active participant in how this music is made and listened to, and how the culture of this music exists. And that's an amazing thing that you couldn't do unless you got on a plane and then (laughs) got on a, uh, a bike and went there in, you know, 50, 70, 100 years ago, which people generally sometimes did. And so it's not that this hasn't ever happened before, but that it's so much easier. And that what we hope for is that continues. And instead of, as Chris said, blurring out the lines or creating a monoculture or um, becoming Americanized, that there's an amplification of local cultures, as well as supranational ones.
0: (laughs) Did you practice that one again?
1: No, not this time, but... (laughs) I
0: do have to get the ooh in there. supranational.
1: Supranational. Yeah,
0: and I think one of the things that we have to do with that is recognize... A common theme in winning slowly episodes going back very nearly to the very beginning which is that the internet empowers certain things and enables certain things that didn't exist before just as the advent of air travel empowered and enabled certain kinds of things that weren't possible before just as the invention of buggies the light bulb. yeah or the light bulb or horses wait hang on we didn't invent horses <laughs> Pizza. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, in general, technology sometimes enables and empowers people to accomplish things in ways that we couldn't before. But people remain people. Right. And all the good that goes with that, but also all the bad that goes with that, which means that we also have to bear in mind the ways that the internet does allow for that kind of imperialism to go even more Mm. than it did. Or by the same token, for people to use it as a way of propping up local interests in an unhealthy way, of reinforcing Mm -hmm. parochial views and parochial attitudes, of reinforcing an unhealthy kind of nationalism or patriotism, and to recognize that with the good, there comes the bad. And we want Mm -hmm. to be chastened by that, especially as we look at our own culture and say, hmm, What are the ways that these kinds of economic trends, including the globalization of economies and including, as Mm -hmm. we'll undoubtedly hit on in this structure agency discussion in the future, what do we think about robots and the roboticization of economies? How how do our choices about those things and remembering that we do in fact have choices about those things, as we said in an episode last season or the season before, you have agency and you should use it.
1: Those things
0: need to matter. Maybe a lot of the angry populist sentiment that's out there in the United States might look a little different if we had not globalized purely with an eye to these highest paid and most capable of sequestering their money offshore and everything else individuals and Mm -hmm. had thought about the economic changes we were making and the impact it would have on Mm-hmm. The less powerful, the less wealthy in our society. Mm-hmm. That might have blunted mm-hmm. a lot of this before it happened. And if we're going to do yeah. well going forward, we need to think about those things going forward. Yeah. And that
1: isn't to say that, like, we just ad- adhered to socialism right there. But we <laughs> there is, there is a way that we need to think about, okay, what does income inequality actually mean? And how does it affect not just some rhetorical sort of right. otherness— but what does it actually do to people? It makes them really angry in one sense. We've learned this over the past year of the political parties <laughs> and, maybe and doing their And lots of human thing.
0: history also, but especially for us this oh, year. Especially
1: in the last year. Like it, it makes people mad. Yeah. This, is, this is an easy answer that people are still asking a question about. So there's <laughs> some level where we still need to address some of these things. Um, and we end Many other cultures are dealing with this as well. South Korea has a growing problem of income inequality. Um, Africa as a continent has a problem with income inequality in that some people are extremely rich and many are just totally, totally on the other end of the
0: spectrum. You see the same thing in China. This isn't just an American problem. And the solutions, as evidenced by the numbers of different economies facing that, are not Mm -hmm. obvious, and to what extent inequality or economic inequity is specifically the issue versus mobility and uh, things like ratios of inequity and how those things shift over time among a single population, and that's why it gets very complicated, but if we're not even asking the question, if we're not even saying, Mm -hmm. is this... A, a question of justice is this a result of unjust systems Injustice, or structures yeah or is this something that is fine but that needs to be guarded lest it go bad because there's a lot mm-hmm. of places where we might be able to say look this isn't particularly in and of itself a problem that person a makes mm-hmm. more money than person b but it might be reflective of larger problems in a system if person a makes more money than person B for reasons that don't have anything to do with what they do or that have reasons to do with things in the culture at large that prevent person B from being able to even acquire the skills to do what person A does. And those those questions get complicated or or
1: as we're talking about with the Panama Papers, person A has a bunch of money and doesn't pay their fair share on it, whatever that number may be. Or person A takes their money and uses it to actively do things to harm person B um, indirectly or directly. These are all issues that happen right now in America and in other countries across the world. And so that's one reason that we should not be working for a flat world, but we should be working for intercultural understanding. We should be looking at other cultures and saying, okay, you've got that culture over there, and it's different than ours, but we're dealing with similar issues. How can we not come up with the same exact answer because your culture is different than our culture and what works for a country of 30 million people isn't going to work for a country of 300 million people or 3 million people, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. But if we're all dealing with these same issues in various ways and types, we should be reaching out to each other and saying, hey, how can we do this? Yeah. And to some extent, that's already happening. We talked about the EU. There are various uh, trade organizations. There are various – Uh, multinational, supranational sorts of organizations that want to do this sort of thing. And so we, A, support those as a general concept, um, (laughs) even if individual ones, we may have beef with this one or that one. But we also want countries to just relate to each other more. Instead of saying, you know, you need to be like us, you need to do this thing, we really want to look for cultural collaboration and ways to celebrate other cultures and celebrate what they're doing there and be able to bring some of that back to your country, even though the economies of scale or the economies of various industries will change what those solutions in various countries mean. Right.
0: And so to be able to celebrate the successes of other nations, even if they might go at it a different way than we need to in this particular nation because of our particular contexts. Even to be willing to do that at a city by city and state by state level in American Mm -hmm. polity and likewise in country by country level and city by city level and district by district level in some place like the EU and Mm -hmm. tracking that way and saying, look, maybe we can celebrate different cultures and different ways of solving the same Mm -hmm. problems.
1: We haven't phrased it in this particular language, um, but pretty much all season we've been looking at what it means to be a good actor in a global space. Whether you're a supranational agency, a nation, a person, a group of people, we've been trying to say, okay, how do we do this? What are the ways that we can actually ethically approach some of these issues? And so my personal favorite of this season that we've developed is the idea of things being reasonable but not justifiable. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I think the idea that something can be understandable, something can make sense, something can be reasonable, and yet not justify the response that comes out of it is extremely important. It is extremely valuable. Carrying that into another angle, one of the things... I'm sure our listeners have picked up on me harping on and a word that I use often and have not only this season, but previous seasons is the idea of charity. And I think Stephen highlighted this, particularly in our episode about art and art culture around the world of being willing to grant a charitable reading to people who are outside your cultural context and therefore are making art in ways that might initially make you and might ultimately still make you quirk your eyebrow or just reject it, Mm -hmm. but being willing to grant Mm -hmm. them that initial charitable reading and say, I'm going to read this. I'm going to listen to this. I'm going to watch this as graciously and with the best view of what your intentions and your goals and your artistic endeavors are coming to that. I can now, Mm -hmm. I may still Come down in the end and say, nope, stab, stab that we talked about back in that episode is not good and we don't want to run with it. But to start from that position of charity to have our Mm -hmm. baseline, both within our own culture Mm -hmm. and within especially going across to other cultures. Letting our baseline be one of charity, of thinking well of others first and trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. And then ultimately still making those value judgments. We have to make those and we should make those. Mm -hmm. But the flip side of that then being that we evaluate ourselves critically. We don't assume Mm -hmm. that our own positions are above critique. We don't assume that our own stances are uh, flawless and we recognize that oft times when critiques come to us they're hard to hear but and and perhaps especially when they're coming to us from someone outside our culture they can be hard to hear mm-hmm. and hard to accept but doing yeah. so having an attitude that says no my own assumptions do need to be re-interrogated regularly my own community of art makers I should look thoughtfully and give a a sterner eye to because we swim in these waters and we more naturally just say, oh, this is good because it's mine. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, doing that back and forth gives us the ability then to do some of that mutual collaboration and celebration right. and learning from each other that we talked about earlier in the episode. If we're not making those kinds of careful distinctions about our own work and not giving those charitable readings to others work, we won't be able to do that, but we, we should. And Stephen and I think we must. Yeah. And in
1: addition to that, we also have been developing this idea of humility towards pretty much everything that you're not actively involved in which is an important huh. yeah. an important distinction when it's easy to try to jump into something and say we have the solutions it doesn't matter that we don't live here and that's a really difficult thing that has been a vexing problem for at least the last 300 years, but much longer, I'm guessing, um, of various cultures interacting in ways that one of them is the more powerful, quote-unquote, powerful culture and is bringing cultural imperialism or um, just actively over overrunning the other's attempts to exist as a culture or fix some problem in their culture or whatever. Right. And so... There's a humility that we have to take towards things that we just actively aren't a part of, but that we can now read about because of the internet. There's a lot of stuff that we can read and get really either offended or passionate or concerned about that there's really no good response because the people on the ground are already doing what they need to do to be taken care of it. And it's just slow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that, that willingness to, Let the people who are already working on it keep working on it and be humble is important. Mm -hmm. And I think as Christians, the humility to recognize that we we aren't actually in charge of history. Mm -hmm. And then also out of that, the confidence to be not just thoughtful people, but also prayerful Mm -hmm. people who address things from the angle of believing that God can and does actually do Mm -hmm. things. That is both something that flows out of humility and something that encourages humility mm-hmm. and i think that's particularly an important chastening for people roughly stevens and my age people in our late 20s who are christians here in america for whom social justice and addressing some of these problems is in a good way i think very much mm-hmm. in vogue right now mm-hmm. but we can we can be misled about how much we can accomplish and what it takes to accomplish right. things and the idea can be very tempting to think that we can just jump in and fix all these problems. And no, a lot of times what's needed is for us to thoughtfully and very prayerfully continue supporting the people who are already there, already working. Mm-hmm. And that's hard. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's humbling to recognize that. But it's really important. Yeah. And so that means that sometimes you just have to not
1: do something. And that's your contribution that's to the situation is that you actively are not doing something which is different than passively not doing something that you should or not knowing (laughs) that this situation exists or actively hurting a situation actively not doing something is a way of responding to a situation now there's usually a way that people can tell you who are in the situation this is what you should do and sometimes that literally is just pray more sometimes that's give money to this organization. Sometimes it's, well, get on a plane and come live here. Or, you know, there's a whole bunch of different things. Depending on your various commitment level and the ways that you can and can't be involved, sometimes you just have to do nothing. And that's a weird thing to say, but that is an ethical stance if you don't have the ability to get more involved at a level to which you would be able to do more and and even when you could do more and even when you could do more sometimes yeah
0: yeah and that that's a hard thing but we think it really is a winning slowly thing yeah. it is that these are long slow changes that have to happen sometimes mm-hmm. and for example on our populism discussion we can't solve the problems we have here in America that have given rise to this movement overnight Uh, For all the amount that it would be tempting to wish we could Mm -hmm. and for all that it would be nice in some ways if actually we could Mm -hmm. we can't it's going to be a lot of long slow work addressing underlying root causes and reaching out to people who are disaffected and disengaged for potentially legitimate reasons and that's hard but dealing with, again, that reasonable but not justifiable, being charitable, critical of ourselves, being humble, helping where we can, et cetera. It's, it's tough, but it's good work and it's worth doing. Right.
1: So those are the issues that we've really been developing over this, this season of globalization. And so we're really thrilled with the way that this season kind
0: of turned out. Yeah, it went better even than we could have hoped, yeah, I think.
1: and we found out that Star Wars is a great movie, twice. Truly.
0: <laughs> which was
1: twice as much as we even hoped indeed, to. Indeed. Indeed. The music at the beginning was Rivers Sigh by Hazelwood. We used it with their permission. Please do not
0: use it without their permission. Thanks again to Andrew Fallows and Jeremy W. Sherman for sponsoring the show, not just this month, but many months running now. We really appreciate it. If you'd like to sponsor the show, you can't until September. Well, I mean, you can. But there won't be anything coming out. (laughs) Well, I take that back. We will. uh, That's true. we, We will have an episode, maybe more than one, but we're probably going to do one particularly unusual for us long form episode over the summer. We mentioned earlier this season that we were hoping to read and then discuss at some length the book, The Three-Body Problem, which is a novel, a science fiction novel out of China, which has been translated into English and is seeing some success. And that's just interesting. It fits in with themes. But well, Stephen and I are both kind of swamped between work and graduate studies and all of these things. We literally haven't had time to read the book. And so we're hoping to do so over the summer and get it to you probably in June or July or so. Mm-hmm. And that'll probably be a special hour-long-ish mm-hmm. episode that mm-hmm. you can digest in a longer form. We may also do something similar here or there if we find another item like that. Mm-hmm. And we do still hope eventually to get those medium pieces mm-hmm. out. They are all in work. It's true. It's just been a bit busier than we expected. It's, uh, it's slow. We're used to slow. So. That's kind of how we roll. That's true. We're
1: still giving 10% of any support you give us to the Internet Archive. Every little bit helps when you're
0: the backup for the entire Internet. Which, as Stephen said last week, we really need to find... Well, We need to have at least two backups. I mean, come on. If you like the show, we would love it if you rated and reviewed us in iTunes. That does actually seem to help people find the show from everything we can read and research on these glorious interwebs. You can also, of course, just recommend us in the app directory that for whatever podcast app you use or you could just tell a friend and say guys there's this awesome podcast which now has five seasons of content you can listen to indeed you should totally do that indeed you can find the show notes for this episode with links to things we talked
1: about the music and so on at winningslowly.org 414 slash four dot fourteen
0: and of course, we do love hearing from you, and not just when we're on season, so to speak. So even even as we're out over the next few months, we would love to hear your thoughts. Do tweet at us, at Winning Slowly on Twitter, or you can get in touch with us via a message or a post on our Facebook page, or you can always just shoot us an email at hello at winningslowly.org. As always, thanks so much for listening. And we'll see you in August. Have a great summer.